This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Well, it's funny you could figure out how to work your mic before... um Someone had set up like uh, text notifications on my uh, computer and um, I was recording a Niners video last week and it started dinging going off. And I'm like the old man who couldn't figure out how to stop that in the background. And you can't figure out yours. So the technology is, uh, you yeah, know, we're troglodytes. That, but don't, don't, put, don't put me in that sinking fucking Titanic that you're riding on. Yeah, I had a little issue setting up the uh, recording, but I'm dealing with cold storage and shit like that, dude. I'm. Yeah, I'm upset is what I am, man. I'm over here in my own tears. Niners, uh, uh, nearly 20 grand. And then I, I, first of all, thank you for putting me on blast in XM and asking how much is it. Did I just open up just because I was bragging about that? I have a, a raised future bet, but asking me the exact amount. Would you ask Rufus how much he made a bet on a bet? Yeah, well we have Rufus has said he made like, he bets like 20 to 40 grand. I think he's said that. Right. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, put me on the spot that I had a, a ticket that would have paid 10 grand at the Rays won the World Series and uh, Dodgers made it tougher to hedge. And uh, so close yet so far with the Niners. And as one of my friends pointed out last night, I should be betting on conference uh, championships is what I should be doing. But uh, yeah, very, very annoying as a Giants fan to see the Dodgers do it too. And uh, then the whole COVID situation and the Blake Snell situation too. Very frustrating list. Well, there's so many ways to go with this, but you know, I despise the Dodgers too. I've been to one World Series game in my life, and I was 10, and it was Yankees Dodgers. And as a Yankee fan growing up, I didn't really remember the 76 series where they lost to the Reds. I just remember the 77, 78 where we beat the Dodgers. So the first World Series loss I ever experienced was live at a game against the Dodgers. So I've always hated the Dodgers. And then when I moved to LA, you know, Dodger fans in LA aren't that bad because it's baseball's more chill, but you know, Laker fans are just such fair weather nutless monkey. Kobe, Kobe. It was like a celebrity thing. It wasn't like appreciating a sport. LA's such a shallow and vapid place. I think somebody asked me, Well, what don't you like about LA? I'm like, Well, I don't like the traffic, I don't like the vapid culture, I don't like the architecture, I don't like the air quality. I don't like the fact that you have to drive everywhere to do anything at all. Otherwise, it's fine. The weather's good. Right. 
Yeah, Lakers and the Dodgers. How frustrating is that? And I remember just a couple weeks ago on this podcast, I said my first sports memory was Kirk Gibson homering in 88. That's the last time the Dodgers had won, actually. Um, they had only had two managers win. That's kind of crazy. I guess Lasorda must have done work. Um, just briefly, then, the Blake Snell thing, I just wanted to bring this up because I heard you talking on XM. And it sounded like to me that you – I don't know if you watched it, but do you realize that he was in the middle of an inning when they yanked him, right? I didn't know that, but what's the difference? Okay, so it sounded like you were saying that they didn't let him, you know, try to come out there for the third time because he did get an out and then he gave up a hit. And I don't know how much small sample or whatever, but what really frustrated me is Betts had incredible reverse splits this year. He hit a 5.30 OPS against lefties, looked lost the first two at bats, and Corey Seager, the hottest player in all of baseball, was a lefty do up next. And yet they brought in a righty and removed Snell at whatever pitches. So, whatever. Dodgers were the best team. Very frustrating. But do you want to talk at all about your? I heard you rant about it a little on XM about this getting too, you know, too forest, forest in the trees or whatever the saying is as far as stats. Basically, I didn't even see it, but I just was hearing the argument about it. And, I, you know, it was basically it lined up like analytics people versus results people. Like obviously as a terrible result, obviously you leave your ace in and the analytics guys being annoyed. And then it branched out into sort of a deeper argument where it was like the sense that, Oh, well we, we never got to see what would have happened if they left him in. And this is exactly what happens when you make a move. You're, you're never going to know. And, and then also like analytics isn't, doesn't say you have to do one thing or another. It's just a tool. There's all these different things floating around. But I think the key point for the people shitting on the analytics of the situation is this. Analytics very well could have told you, you know what, keep your ace in. He's got this many pitches. Pitchers can go through the third time with low pitch counts that are dealing. I mean, there's all sorts of different numbers you could run to to make either case, actually. But the point is that only a person overly steeped in a very certain kind of robotic thinking would have taken him out and make that mistake. That's that's what the beef is, and I think that's a legitimate beef. It's not that analytics, analytics just means analyzing available information, data. So you can't say that that's bad in and of itself, but it's only somebody with a very particular kind of belief system that would be, that would just do something like that in the face of common sense where you've got an ace, he's dealing, you cited the reverse splits for bets and, and see her, but either way, it's like, if, if your ace is dealing and there's no signs of wear or fatigue, I mean, a, a little, you know, soft hit is not a big deal. What, what are you thinking? Just let him pitch through it. He can get to 90 pitches or whatever it is. And, and, and or, sh- or until he shows visible signs of, okay, he just walked a guy and, or he just gave up a rocket. He left one over the plate. I mean, at some point you, you see a sign, but it's just the idea that only a person who, had gotten sort of lost in the analytics robotic way of thinking would make that error. That, that's sort of the, that's sort of the legitimate beef someone could have. Yeah. And I'll even take it a step further. It's like the human part, not only was Snell dealing to the point of nine K's zero walks and, you know, like former Cy Young winner went healthy, just so, so tough. Um, but how about this aspect? Uh, Nick Anderson came out today and said, Oh, I was on fumes in the postseason. My velocity wasn't there. That's the guy you replaced him with. How about some, some, it's not, you talk about, they're not just name, you know, no numbers or whatever. What about that aspect? The guy they brought in is now admitting the day later that he was on fumes. I mean, it's just infuriating. Well, that's basically saying his process was really bad. Even his analytic process was bad. But I think the, I think the bigger point, which is a, a wider point in society is 
anyone with any common sense would have stuck with Snell. The only kind of person that would have made that move is somebody who had read too much into this very specific rule of third time through the order. We've got to do this and sort of robotically following this rule. And this is the danger when you have algorithmic optimized decision-making, which is that you basically bet the base rate, right? So we say, well, look, in general, if you're going to play 162 game season, always take your guy out third time through the order because the ERA of the, you know, the guy the third time through the order is like five or whatever it is. And it's, you know, two the first two times or whatever it is in his case. And so this is just what you do. And then over time, you're going to be totally wrong on a day that he's feeling great. His pitch counts low. He gets through the first two times in the order with 70 pitches thrown. I would even in the regular season, pay attention to that. But even if you didn't, okay, you're betting the base rate over more often than not, you're going to be right. And you're going to win extra games for having that framework in place. But the problem is that kind of thing where you're betting the base right and being right, right more often than wrong only works if your bets are all the same size. So if you're betting $20 a game or $20,000 a game, whatever, and you're right 55% of the time, but when you're wrong, you're like, well, I like this team because of X, Y, and Z, which is right most of the time, but you're just totally wrong. It's totally inapplicable to the situation that you're betting on. Okay, you lose the 20 grand. You had no chance. It was a totally dumb bet, but it's fine because it's the same stakes. But in the World Series, the stakes are way higher. You can't just say, well, you know, if I'm totally wrong in this situation, big deal, the base rate is such. You're making a huge unforced error that... It doesn't really matter over the long haul in the regular season. You can be lazy and just keep applying it. But in the postseason, you need to be very careful that the bat base rate is actually applicable to this situation. And I think that's the error that you would make if you were sort of a base rate. That's you know that's this you know you're just committed to this course of action. And and, and I th- I think that it's it's a bigger debate than just baseball. And Jeff and I got into this on the XM show. It's society wide, you know, people deciding for us, you know, what's best for you. You need to do this. The algorithm says that the fewer people get sick. If you stay inside for this much time, you know, it's kind of a tyranny of analytics. That's what people, I think they're articulating badly. A lot of guys don't understand the the benefits of analytics or bad calls that people make with their guts all the time, routinely, but there's like a tyranny of analytics, and it's not just the nerds who have sort of started to win the battle in, in sports organizations. It's the people in society who have uh, infiltrated the government and corporations and are running things based on a, an algorithm, whether it's a financialized algorithm, whether it's um, an algorithm to incentivize you to certain behaviors that they, you know, they would prefer you to, to do. Twitter algorithms are deciding what news you should see. It's it's a bigger battle than just did he make the right choice taking out Blake Snell. And I think that's kind of what's coming to a head. And and it's not like, well, of course, I'm going to use analytics for certain problems, but I feel like the the tyranny of it, the, the way people are like, I have data and I'm right. Big data shows this. The science says, whereas science is about skepticism. Science is about well, I don't know. I have to test that hypothesis. I'm not sure. Well, no, the scientists, the consensus among scientists say this. Science, dude. And you're sort of like, no, that's not, that's religion. You're, you're believing something. I want to actually find out, be skeptical. So that's why it's such a heated thing. It's like, who cares, you know, about some stats nerds in baseball versus some guys who are like, no, man, it's common sense.
Yeah, I'm not sure if this is analogous to what you're trying to say, but and no doubt the manager was was beaten down from upper management about this. You know, he'd been beaten down sure. for the past year, you know, year. This is what you do. So to him, you know, similarly, you know, he probably yeah, he wasn't even making that decision himself, you know. So, um, yeah, that's here we are. Uh, Randy, uh, love the guy, most homers ever for a rookie. He's going to be so interesting in fantasy drafts next year coming out of nowhere like that. Um, I've heard that Clayton Kershaw is supposedly like legit one of the nicest dudes in sports. Um, but yeah, man, $30,000, so close, but so far, uh, very fresh. And do you have any comment? Do you have any thoughts on the Justin Turner situation? I mean, so bizarre. Eighth inning of a World Series game taken out with a COVID test and then, you know, che- uh, taking pictures uh, right afterward and, and everyone going crazy over that. Yeah, I mean, it's not smart. You know, obviously you understand why you want to be with his teammates. I feel so clear about this that I I don't really understand why people aren't as clear. I mean, I understand why kind of, but it's just like, on the one hand, people are trying to like kiss you hello and shit. You're like, dude, it's fucking COVID. Just (laughs) calm down and stop touching me for six months. Or people are like, yeah, dude, just come over and part. Oh, oh, the outdoor restaurant, the outdoor seating's full. Let's just go in. It's funny, this dude, this British dude I met for a cigar and a glass of wine, a friend of mine, came in from London, wanted to meet at this like shishi club on the main Avenue Libertad, who's the, the sort of fancy street. And it was like down, I was like, is it inside? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, nah, you know, whenever you're ready, when you're done with dinner, come meet me. And we went and we went to an outdoor kiosk. And, you know, he was feeling like I was uptight, I think. He'd already got COVID in the UK, so he didn't care. So we're, like, hanging out outside for a couple hours. Anyway, a month later, Heather sends me an article. That place spread 40 oh. cases. That exact oh, place. So a super spreader was there. It, yeah, or I don't know if it was that night, but, you know, that place right. spread it. But the point is, like, to me, yeah, I, I know you want to celebrate the World Series with your buddies. That's, that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So that's actually more urgent than going to a club with your friends. So I actually see that side of it a little bit more. But just right. in general, in general... You're partying and socializing. I'm not. The government should have nothing to do with it. You should be completely free to do whatever you want if you want. And so Justin Turner's free to do that. I don't. I don't. I don't think there's any sort of state involvement in this. But just in general, like, why aren't you just stopping this thing? It's so easy to stop if you just. If but nobody's doing it. Everyone just follows the. People are in mass all over the street now in in Lisbon. It's getting a little scary because we got four thousand cases today. It's like serious here now. It's a little scary. Like outdoor masks to me are dystopian you know like to me that's like no you're not going to catch it separated walking by yourself outside oh that's like newer to you seeing that now you're seeing there were like it was a it was a minority of people then it was about half and now it was like almost everybody but me but to me i'm not sure it'll ever feel normal to be clear but i got yeah gotcha it's 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 increasing where you are lately but anyway my point is like i feel like you could stop this thing easily if people just stop doing the shit like when i get that license i'm like fuck like you know, maybe I shouldn't have even gone there. I didn't know until I went. I probably should have just left. But like all the shit that's going on in restaurants, indoor dank restaurants, like I'm sorry, but like it's so obvious to me, like what the risks are. Just stay the fuck outside. But on the other hand, the scolding of and the controlling of other people is is also tyrannical. It's like, yeah, Justin Turner did that. It's stupid, but it was a once in a lifetime thing. It, to me, that's not like a huge story. It's like just bizarre i didn't realize day of game you know i guess they test game day and then it could come in the middle of the game come back i just think that that aspect was just wow did he get hurt and why did he leave the game it was just it's just kind of crazy but yeah i i I understand completely what you're saying afterward maybe baseball gives them a penalty because they want to you know enforce something again i get frustrated seeing people just not able to the the weirdest thing i don't know if we talked about this last week but like being unable 
resist the social norms. The the reason that you're doing something, I, I like the thing about Turner, which I am more sympathetic is you get to celebrate a World Series once in your lifetime with your with your teammates. Okay, I mean it's probably not worth it, but he no tested. that should be factored in what he's doing. Right, he's not right. going out to dinner. Yeah, I absolutely. Right. I feel like you know it's a once in a lifetime thing, and you know he probably should have a mask on or something. But the reason why most people are still kissing or when they get together, you know, they reach for the kiss or the handshake or the hug or whatever, is because they're embarrassed socially to like not be friendly. Like they're embarrassed to turn down the party that has like ten kids when. Or whatever, they're embarrassed to say no. They're embarrassed to uh, seem like a jerk or an uptight person. It's like social discomfort is driving a lot of this. Just say, give them the elbow bump or something. Just fucking have some social self discipline. It's amazing though, but that seems to be driving it. Yeah, oh, that's a real thing too, though. I mean, that's uh, you're getting judged either on both sides. It's 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 an annoying it's annoying part of this, but it's uh, yeah. I hear you. Um, what else is going on, Liz, other than me crying about my bet? The things are good, man. Thinking about this. So uh, there's this guy I followed. I unfollowed him because he's getting too annoying. This guy, Greek Fire, and he's like part of like financial Twitter. And he has some insightful shit to say about markets, which got destroyed, by the way. I just timed my puts very poorly. He was like mocking Bitcoin because it went down like, you know, 4 or 5% at some point today. Flying. Mocking Bitcoin right now is very contrarian. I mean, that is an interesting stat, an interesting uh, side to be on here. He was mocking it, and, and he started calling it tulips. And of course, all the Bitcoiners started like getting on his case and being like, "Timestamp this," you know, just yeah. sort of like they could laugh when it's at a hundred thousand. And I unfollowed him because he was just so dumb. He was dumb about it. It just it just reflected poorly on him because it showed how unserious he was about is what a lack of understanding yet. You could disagree. You could think I don't I don't here's why I don't think it's gonna get adopted and this is but the tulip thing is just come on man, that ship is long sailed. I mean you can't really be using that. It just means you just had a surface understanding of it, which is fine. Not everybody's curious or put in the time, but don't opine on it like that then. You know, just just say, I don't know. I don't know what the shit is, I don't understand it, I'm staying away. That's cool. And then he started ducking on Tesla, too. And I started thinking, God, I probably sometimes sound like this guy with respect to Tesla, right? I told you I'm going to investigate it more. And then I started thinking about why somebody would opine on Bitcoin as tulips. Well, well, you know, you're probably a smart guy. know a lot about certain, you know, trading and whatever experience you have in the financial world. I started thinking it's the base rate problem. Generally, stuff like this is a scam. Tulips or whatever the latest fad is or some all the shit coins those are all scams so generally something like this where it's like oh yeah there's this magic internet money and there's only this much of them this many of them and it's going to you know we're building technology and that make. person just gave a cursory glance and assumed that it falls under that big umbrella is what you're right yeah. Yeah. he's betting the base rate the base rate is a scam it's interesting because the base rate people this is the secret about them. Even the best ones, Rufus is like is a base rate guy, but he bets I think similar amounts on all his games, so it's not like he's getting killed by one wrong bet or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, he knows what his strength is. Mm-hmm. But the base rate people, if you really think about it, don't really have any insight in any particular event. So if I know that looking at these factors, these ten factors, and then and then regressing them, you know, whatever numbers I come up with back to the line, it's going to win me 55% of the time. And you know, the 52.38 is break even. I've got an ATM. I can print money. 
right? Because over time, I'm going to win 55, lose 45. I'm good. But any one game, I could be like 2080 against. I could have it so wrong. 2080 against is impossible, but you know what I mean? Like 40, 60 mm-hmm. against. I could be so wrong. I could be so off base because these factors that I'm looking at are just not applicable in this situation. And I will have no idea, no fucking idea. But it doesn't matter. Because as long as conditions are such that I get 55%, it doesn't matter that I'm missing some, that I'm totally off base, that I'm missing the common sense thing. It matters when, you, when you're in the World Series and you're winning on the base rate and you make a horrible decision and it's way higher stakes than all your regular season decisions. Or it matters when you, if you were stupid enough to short Bitcoin or Tesla in my case, I was, uh, and you're betting the base rate that this is a bullshit thing. There's no way the stock would go up this much with this little revenue. And that this has got to be, uh, you know, a, a bubble because you're betting the, you know, because you're betting the base rate. Most things like that are bubbles. But if you're a ba- if you're just betting base rate, you have no opinion about any individual game. All you know is in general, it's 55, 45. Your opinion on this specific game is doesn't exist. And there'll be no like home runs outlier types. Uh, you'll be, yeah, kind of like if you're trying to get graded with a ranking system, right. um, seem, seem similar type but thing. I'm, I'm saying it works if you apply to a game like handicapping against the spread where it's the same odds, you know, pretty much every game. And, mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, that can work. You can apply it to your strength and make money. But even if you're making money, you still don't have an opinion on a game. Right, because you're because you're just saying in general this is what works for me. You you don't really know specifically. You don't need to know specifically about it because it's just okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. That is is definitely like Rufus comes across too when he talks about the game. But Rufus knows a lot more than that. Actually, he actually knows quite a bit about the players and stuff, and has some supplemental models. But but I'm saying he's in general a base rate guy. Like that's how he does it. Definitely. Okay, so I was thinking about this like base rate. Things like Bitcoin and Tesla are scams. So these base rate people don't look into them, assume it's base rate, you know, whatever. And they're going to be right most of the time when shit like this comes up and they've served themselves well in the past by not investing, you know, after it's gone way up. But (laughs) they don't know specifically if it's a scam. They just know generally things like this are scams. That's as far as they go. But the thing is, the people who find out which one isn't a scam are the home run hitters, are the guys who are going to make you know, the life-changing money on, on a bet, on a big, going big. And the base Dude, Raiders I'm are your friends. MicroStrategy has already made so much money in their investment, it's, it's silly. Oh, yeah, he's made more money than the company made before, yeah. <laughs> since he made the investment. <laughs> the key, though, is, right, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the curiosity. Because I was, give, I was thinking, like, the base rate, your phone rings is a number you don't know. Base rate, scam or Sorry. some marketing yeah. bullshit, right? So you never answer. But let's say I got, I was super into like, ooh, I wonder who's calling and I wonder what the purpose of this whole, I want to understand these different scams and sales calls, how they work. I want to like write something, write a really cool blog about how like what the, what the business model is behind this shit. That, right. So you start answering every single one. You start like writing down which area code it's from, which sub, you know, the, the, the first three digits where they're from, you know, categorizing them and you start to really dig into it. Well, let's say there were one call that was really important to get, like from a family member that, you know, from a friend who needed help or something that he was calling from a different phone, he had to borrow a phone. You would be way more likely to, if you were super curious about the whole way that worked to identify the, the outlier. Cause, cause you would, you would have had some curiosity of, of being able to differentiate the individual mm-hmm. calls rather than just have like a base right now. Never, mm-hmm. never answer it. Yeah. Right. 
and all, all the things like imagine if everyone thinks oh baseball cards in the 70s i remember this everyone's parents threw out their cards from the 50s and 60s be like oh yeah baseball cards are junk yeah my kids growing cards up are back they're thriving right now well that's like we can get into that but i'm saying 50s and 60s when i was growing up and i in the early 80s i started really in the 70s i was collecting but in the 80s i started realizing these are valuable like really valuable and it was too late, but like I'd heard all these stories, like oh, I had so many cards from like older people that I knew, like my uncles or whatever cousins. They'd be like, oh, but my mom threw them all out once I, you know, I lost interest in them. And imagine that, like the base rate is old shit that kids don't play with anymore is garbage. But like the, if you just knew, you know, you could have gone to everybody's house and gotten like all the Mickey Mantles and you know, and just totally. It, it, it's it's like the the curiosity. An understanding of of something that to, to the base rate person just looks like generic garbage is it's like they're like oh this is just noise but within noise there is signal also like even within total noise to somebody else's there you can find the important thing and I I kind of feel like that's what it means to go down the the rabbit hole of Bitcoin mm-hmm. and I should go down Tesla right it's okay so you can kind of give him a pass I guess if you view it through that that lens but. At this point, though, I feel like you should – I mean, I know that we're in inning one, one out in inning one of, of Bitcoin, but still, I feel like you probably unfollowed him because you lost your, your respect, you know, the, how little uh, he's gone down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I lost, I lost respect for him because he was betting a base rate that everybody – first of all, is obvious. Most people don't, you know, who don't believe in it understand, you know, that a lot of this kind of shit would be a scam. And two, he – he was doubling down and I could see that he didn't know anything. He was just base rate, base rate. It's just somebody who has a belief that's like, no, this is true. This is true. And you're trying to tell them, no, 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 there's something new going on. And they just can't, you can't penetrate that because they're just, they're not interested. They're not curious. They've learned a lesson and they're sticking to that lesson. So I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Not like I was offended. I'm like, okay, all these dudes are like timestamp this. And, oh, you like being poor and like mocking him. He's mocking them. But it's like, it's a stupid conversation. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, man, I mean, how excited are you? It just looks so, so good. Right no, now. I needed to go down though. Cause I need to get more. I need to go down. I'm like, I'm like, just calm down. Everybody calm down in general. The Michael Saylor thing, that video that he had with Raul Powell, and I tweeted it at some point. I might have untweeted it because I don't want to have a lot of Bitcoin in my timeline, in my like historic right. timeline. They'll, they'll probably find a way to transcribe these things, and I'll be busted. I had actually listened to the whole whatever two hours the night before, and I woke up to you. You had texted me that, but it, no, it was uh, informative for sure. It, it radicalizes you because it makes you really see that there's no safe haven for your wealth. That if you've accumulated any sort of savings. There's no safe haven. And if you had it in cash, well, the stocks are finally going down, but they've been going up so much. And I don't know if we talked about this, but I was watching something like, you know, Apple's doubled, more than doubled. Amazon's more than doubled, tripled maybe in the last few years. And their revenues are up like 8%. So if a, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but if a stock doubles or triples, but you could say, oh, that's growth, right? It's growing. It's a growing company. No, it went up 8%. It's not growth why it tripled. It's inflation. It's just the dollar is worth less. Not that the company, if the company were growing, then it would double the sales. That's growth, right? If if the earnings were double, you could say it grew. No, the cost of obtaining those earnings has now gone up. The asset has inflated. It is inflation. 
Another way of saying that is your dollar is worth less relative to Apple or Amazon than it was. So if you're sitting on dollars, other people have the fangs, you're like, oh, they're just getting really rich at my, you know, relative to me, meaning my relative purchasing power is going down. And the more that starts happening, the more, you know, the more you start thinking, whoa, like I'm sitting on dollars, do I want to get in stocks? Well, they're so high, bonds don't yield anything. And then you get to a point where you're like, uh oh, like I need to find some place to, I just, I don't want to, I don't need to get rich. I just need to protect some amount that I've saved so that, you know, as I deal with retirement and other things that I'm not, I'm not screwed. Yeah. You store value. Some, some gold was just found somewhere with like a ton of it or so. Yeah. so I saw that just the supply is so much more than people realize that Raul Paul, uh, sorry, I messed up his name, but he has a really good Twitter thread too, about how Bitcoin's going to take over the world. And yeah, pretty, uh, pretty bullish, man. It's exciting times. Um, <clears throat> but it's, uh, other stores of value, which I had looked at a couple years ago during a move, my old baseball cards, and I, th- I was wondering if I threw them all out because I just checked. I had a gr- couple Griffey upper decks, and I was just reading a column talking about how it's exploding. But I guess there are like a m- couple million of those in circulation. Yeah. So uh, I, I, my first pack ever as a kid, uh, I bought it for one reason, and I got it. It was the Billy Ripken error card, you know, with the F face written yeah. on his uh, bottom. And I got it. I got it. So I bought the pack. And I think it was Donner's, and I got it. So that was a cool memory as a kid and then the Griffey card. But you said you want to talk more about that? I mean, it's actually exploding, the, the market. That's pretty interesting. I've invested heavily in baseball cards three times in my life, one in 1981, 1982, and that was really, they started overprinting in the 80s. You know, I had a couple of Cal Ripken rookie cards. They were briefly worth, I don't know, 100 bucks. And then uh, I got, and then in 87, when I was 16, I started buying so many of those with like the wood background, and I had probably 100 Barry Bonds rookies, oh. and those are worth like a dollar each. And they, they overprinted that Depends set, I think, more than any. Right. And so then they basically, what they did is they destroyed the, the value of it because between like 87 and 90 whatever they started just printing so many because people are like oh these are valuable my yeah i was walking to one every day at one point so yeah i was probably my right exactly the the, my age right there exactly so then i started doing it again when i was about 25 i was living on the central coast and i didn't have any real money to not much money to spend but what money i did i was buying these baseball cards and they had these like a lot of different uh, brands, and they had things like a little piece of jersey on it from a game or a piece of a baseball bat from a game or a signature, but those only came like one out of every 500 of the guy's card would have that thing. And then immediately, those things are worth 500 bucks, like out of the pack, because it was so scarce. It was like gambling. It was like scratch-off tickets. But what happened was there were like 10 or 20 brands all doing the same thing because it was driving all this demand. And then, of course, people realized this is kind of the argument with the Bitcoin and the shit coins. If, they, if you don't know the Bitcoin origin story, you might think, well, now that, you know, okay, this is the only, you know, there's only 500 of this, you know, Vlad Guerrero card with the bat on it or a signed card, of, but there's only 500 of in 10 different sets that di- different companies made. So that kind of collapsed. And now I don't know what's going on with these, you know, like Griffey and Bond. Like all those cards are kind of weird. There's some weird like Jeter Chromes and weird shit like that. I don't know about all that. All I know is for me when I was a kid, the Holy Grail cards were the Maze, Mantle, Aaron, 50s and 60s. And they can't, they couldn't do all the shit they're doing. They didn't know it would be valuable or at least not valuable. Those to me are the gold standard. If you can get like a, a beautiful condition 1957 Willie Mays or Mickey Mantle, like, that's like, you know, obviously there's like the rare well, it's Wagner, right? It's like, yeah, well, it's like, yeah, but that's like not, that's not in the realm, but like, I'm just saying, you know, you could get some for like 500 bucks or a thousand for a really nice mantle or whatever in the fifties and sixties sure. and 
those are beautiful cards and like even now like I, when i was a kid i used to dream i, I had dreams about I, I went to a card show and i bought a pete rose with a cup on it for six bucks and a tom Seaver with the cup on it there weren't their technical rookie cards or they were their first year cards they had the big cup for 10 bucks i had 10 dollars. My, my parents gave me my friend's parents took me to a card show and i was like i had dreams about that card show to me that was like I, that was like the greatest thing of all time i remember trading with my cousin i got a george brett mini card that was worth a lot at the time and yeah looking at those uh, the books to see the value increase and oh dude yeah their baseball cards are were a big big part of my childhood too so it sounds like i probably bought it when it was getting diluted though you know right there in the late 80s early 90s so all the yeah. cards i have i'm sure like unlikely to have much value now uh, despite it's uh, re people getting re re-energized with it. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you could look up whether there's anything valuable from that era and see if you have one, but chances are you don't. I, I can't, I don't, it'd be hard for me to take it seriously. I, th- I just think it's inflation. I think there's too much money chasing too few stores of value and people are looking at art. Mm-hmm. Really Digital art, I heard, I think. Oh, that's now, another thing. Yeah, all this shit. But like, maybe, I mean, again, it's like, I don't want to dismiss it. I, I guess you'd have to understand. I understand baseball cards. I understand the appeal of them. I mean, I, I really do. I loved them when I was a kid. I don't know that they'll hold value for like the general public, but mm-hmm. uh, but this, you know, Bitcoin's a whole different thing. It's it's literally being able to transfer money, value, wealth across the globe instantly and store it securely at the lowest possible cost. I mean, the, the more you think about like how revolutionary that is, like. What are you gonna put your gold? Are you gonna put it in your closet, bunch of bars of gold, someone can just take totally, out of there. Totally, I, you're gonna. No, how are you gonna? How are you gonna? How are you gonna pay for a house with gold? How are you gonna figure out how much you know to, to make sure how pure it is? How are you gonna ship it? Michael Seller was saying to take a hundred million dollars worth of gold. I don't know if I said this last time, so stop me. But a hundred million dollars worth of gold costs you two hundred fifty k to ship. It's like five bucks <laughs> with Bitcoin. Hundred million dollars right. to send. That's just insane. <laughs> Um, sorry if this is too inside baseball, but can you explain, because I'm just curious, I'm sure I've uh, read it, but just didn't sink in, uh, what the difference of a, of a lowering hash, hash rate means? Because I know that the, there are multiple factors that's happening in China now, weather being one of them. Um, but what does that mean of hash rate going higher or lower? I don't really know. I don't know. You don't know that. Okay. No. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. But it's, it's, a, it's amount of, you know, the I actual hear, miners, what they're doing, you know, the actual how many miners. blocks are being mined yeah. or, how, you yeah. know, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. I, I hear people talk about it. All right. All right. I was curious if you knew that because I wanted to, to be explained like a, a layman's term. But uh, anyway, all that matters is there's stacking sats. That's all that matters. I yeah. I mean, it's just, unfortunately, like I, I really should, lo- I know a little bit about the underlying nuts and bolts and I had a little bit of a breakthrough with dealing with some of my experimenting. But oh. I, I, you know, I'm not a programmer. I understand the theory behind the tech. I don't entirely understand all the tech. I wish I understood it better. But like I'm not I want to understand it because I want to I think it's important to know as much as you can but I'm not really interested in that. I mean I'm interested in it like again just as like sort of knowing but I'm interested in the the you know the use case the the transformative power of having something that is independent of of government and control of somebody else and third parties and this this new thing that's so ridiculously advanced and the possibilities you can't even fathom the things that will this will lead to i mean now you have paypal it's just so many more people are talking about it and it's it's yeah it's just it's gonna i mean michael Saylor made a, a good analogy he said it's like steel you think okay steel is what alloy and you're like well big deal they invented steel okay you made this metal like what's the big deal it's, it's a good building material well now you can have a a hundred story skyscraper 
when the highest building was like six, seven stories with bricks and, and wood. The, the capabilities of what you can do and the bridges you can build and the, the you know, airplanes with aluminum, you can't build an airplane out of wood. It's not going to work. It can't build out of steel. It's too heavy. These things are game changers. Like if, once you have aluminum, well, suddenly we're like flying like 300 people at a time, thousands of planes at once all over the world. Like that's transformed everything. And so when you start to have a new capability of like, well, you can move vast amounts of money without worrying about security very much, you know, security's much easier, cheaply, and you don't need a third party or a custodian or a green light for someone else, what's that going to do to the ability to create and build things, you know, business-wise and technology-wise? It seems like it's, we can't quite fathom what, how that's going to change things from the way the, the old system is. <laughs> Super excited, for sure. No, the future is definitely heading that way. It's going to be talked about more and more. It really is, I feel like, going to blow up soon. Um, but it is the uh, thing going on. Like, you know, I, Michael Krieger, a guy, like, he tweeted out that, he was like, if you just listen to, like, the mainstream political discourse about shit, you'd have no idea of the stuff that's really going on in the world, like the, the crazy developments. Like, this is such a big transformational technology that's happening before our eyes. It's the internet, but it's maybe as big or bigger happening before our eyes. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm getting radicalized by this shit. I, I'm just like starting to believe like, hold, this is going to be all this other shit is kind of a sideshow. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And there's an election coming up in, in six days. Yeah. I was just, yeah, just going to ask you about that. Any thoughts on, on that? Um, people asked us, I won't make a prediction, but if you're looking at Nate silver or whatever the, uh, conventional pundit wisdom is i don't know who's going to win the election but i'm definitely taking trump against the spread oh, you know, I, I mean i'm definitely taking the points <laughs> like, i don't know who's going to win straight up but i'll just handicap it with the points i think uh i would be you know i i just think there's a good chance he, a better chance he wins than people think and but i don't know who's actually going to win yeah, Nate Silver uh, made a tweet uh, condescendingly, making it seem like it's a, it's you know, it would take a miracle basically for Trump to win. But then, of course, he he always does say, you know, we did give him a thirty percent chance last time. That's thirty percent is not zero. Um, I thought it was like seventeen percent he gave him last time. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. They, they, but he he de- definitely acts like this is a foregone conclusion. And a Rasmussen poll just came out having Trump in the lead. So I, I mean, I'm with you as far as uh, if he's I, if, I, if any taking the points. I'll tell you something. The critique of Nate Silver. I don't get into all the stats that deeply either, but it's the Seam Taleb and uh, this other guy I follow, um, Harry Crane, who's like a statistician. He says that these probabilities can't be real. And I always have beef with this, with these NFL probabilities, like probability, win probability in a game. Team will get like 90, it was like, oh, they were 98%, and then they were at 60%, and then they were at 20% after this play. Yeah. Yeah, right. And I'm like, okay, so you're, so you're telling me that it's like, say it's like 95% that Trump wins, that, that Biden wins. But then three days from now, it's 50%. But there was like a 30% chance it might change drastically in three days. So you're like, well, it's 95 now, it's 50 then, because things changed. But there would have to be such a slim chance of things changing drastically for those two things to be true. If it's 95 today and 50 later, or it's 99% win probability and then 1% after a big, play, crazy play happens, 
Right. Your 98% was way off base if all it took was a 33-yard pass to suddenly make it. <laughs> That's what, exactly. exactly. Right. If there's like a you know a 20% chance that it changes from 90 to 20 or something, you know, that's not 90 anymore. Right. There's something wrong with that structure because it's, it's not taking into account the polls, if they stayed like this, would be 90 going into election day, but then they can change. And then, so you're not taking into account something that's, the, you know, the, the change possibility. You're not accounting for that properly. So there's something off about it. Again, I don't know. It appears it's going to be a ton of people voting, which is nice. It does appear that. Like, like the, the early numbers are just, like, out of control. Record, I mean, obviously record well, well, but, but, but Of course, though, because they're not going to go to the polls, those people. They're... Right. I don't think the numbers mean it. How can they know anything? Oh, there's so many early votes. Well, yeah, because it's COVID, so they don't want to wait in line. With That's true. That's true. That's true. But That's I've true. heard that so much. Like, oh, my God, there's record-breaking turnout. Well, this is ridiculous. It's like no shit. They're taking saying, mail-in yeah. ballots that you didn't even have to uh, You didn't even have to do the absentee application process. Yeah. So, of course, there's more votes. Yeah. And people don't want to get in line. I think there's a couple things that are a little dangerous for the Democrats is – so, so the media is selling a lot of fear around COVID. And imagine like you're one of the people on the 20 to 30% most fearful spectrum of that. And you're, most, you're probably more likely to be a Democrat because this is kind of split on partisan lines to a large extent. Now, I think a lot of the people who do nothing are also very fearful, but they're so fearful that they can't even, if they even take it seriously, it'd be too much for them. There's two ways of handling fear, denial and panic, right? So you have the Democrats panicking, the Republicans in denial of those who are fearful. So, but the denial, you'll still vote. But if you're panicking, you may just think, ah, well, the polls look pretty good. I, it's not going to make a difference. I would stay home. I don't want to go in. I haven't left my house for a while. I haven't gone to a crowded place. I've been doing everything I'm told to do. I I, it's, I think we have this. Don't you think that's going to happen for like a not like a non insignificant amount of people that are just not going to they're going to plan to go to the poll but then they're not. That that's entirely possible. Yeah, though this there's a lot of variables this year that I yeah I mean that's a great point about obviously no shit the numbers are so are so early because of that. Yeah, I mean that is. Um, there, I don't know, man. There's a lot of other factors. Like, how about a Biden scandal uh, breaking right before, or is it not a scandal as they said on 60 Minutes? <laughs> Have you well, seen the 60 Minutes uh, no. with, with Trump or with any of them? Because I, I know they don't care about that stuff. But the unedited one that he released was the funniest TV show of the year for me in a non-ironic way. Just how combative they were. I, I have not laughed harder in 40 right. minutes. I'm, I'm I'm dead serious about that. But I, I'm a sick individual. But yeah. the the Biden stuff happening. I you know that Tucker's like just you know interviewed uh, since. Uh, I forgot. Yeah, I saw that. I mispronounce his name. And then now Pennsylvania is having legit riots last, like severe riots because of a, and Pennsylvania is a swing state. So like there's crazy stuff happening in a week leading up too. I mean, it's, it's crazy. No, dude, that, that Hunter Biden shit. And this is what's driving me crazy. Vote for Biden. If you want, honestly, if you want to vote for Biden, you hate Trump, disgusts you, despise the guy, vote for Biden. I mean, vote for whoever you want. I mean, I, I don't tell people to vote for, but it is just making me ill to say, well, he's a decent guy. At least he's a decent guy. This is fulfilling my... It's like, where the fuck are you getting that from? He was credibly accused of sexual assault. He voted for the Iraq war that killed half a million people. He voted for the crime bill and helped usher it in that put like a million black people in jail that, you know, for like bullshit crimes, a lot of them. And then, you know, now apparently like there's at least strong evidence that he's, he's credibly accused of having some sort of arrangement through his son of access from China. And... His son got paid a lot of money and 
there's they're on tape. He's on the guy's on tape with his son talking about it. And there's text messages and good evidence. Now, nobody wants to investigate that. And anyone who is not interested in knowing this is all oh, fake news. It's just a, you know, they're dropping this before to try to, you know, derail it. But this one guy tweeted this, and I think this is true. He's like, all the stuff that they accused Trump of and they made the Mueller commission investigate seems to be likely of Biden, except with China instead of Russia. Now, again, vote for whoever you want. I don't know if it's totally true or maybe I'm being played and there's some other angle that I'm missing. Who knows? I, we don't really know. I mean, this looks pretty good. It, it, I think journalists should be all over this and find out whether this is true. Nonpartisan, not just right-wing journalists, but everyone would be like, whoa, this is pretty serious. If this is true, it sounds kind of credible. Is it really true? Like, let's get these guys out there and interview them and, and talk to them. They're not going to do that. So, but whatever, it's, it's shady and all this stuff is going on. Like, if you want to vote for him, vote for him. But like, don't tell me what a decent person he is with all this shit. Like, go in eyes open. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? This isn't a, a cartoon where Trump's the villain and he's the good guy. I mean, do you not, you have that unrealistic a view of politics and world power and how it works? You think one guy's good and one guy's bad? Well, he's got his flaws, I realize, but he's a decent guy. What the fuck is that? <laughs> what the fuck kind of, what, what are you fucking, are you, are you out of your mind? You have no idea if he's decent or not. And based on all the shit that he's done, he's got a hell of a rap sheet for horrors that he's created on many human beings. And, and like, but you, it's your opinion that he's a decent guy. What the fuck? You know, again, hate Trump all you want. I don't care. I don't, I'm not invested in it. It's just sort of like, you're really buying this fucking narrative. Like, you know, Jeter's the good guy. A-Rod's the bad guy. Or Manny Ramirez is the bad guy. Marshawn Lynch was the bad guy. Now he's the lovable good guy that eats Skittles. Allen Iverson was a bad guy. Now Allen Iverson, everyone loves him. The media spins these stories, and then you realize how false they are about all these different players and people. And, like, smart people don't buy into that. They're like, yeah, I don't know. Barry Bonds, such a bad guy. You know, like, <laughs> they, they spin these narratives. And, and anyone who's, like, been a, seen it a bunch, you're like, yeah, this is just how they sell, get clicks. Or you used to sell papers. They'd get you, you know, thinking this guy's good and this guy's bad. But, like, don't really believe that shit as a grown person, do you? Yeah, I was wondering who. I imagine you were subtweeting many people when you were. I, I don't know. I, I, so many people are muted that I have no way. I'm not like thinking of anybody specific. I just so many times I've seen the phrase. At least he's a decent guy in my mentions. I'll say something. Right. And like, but I'm going to vote for the decent guy. Oh, where did you get that talking point? What the fuck is that even about? How would you even know? It's like so preposterous. I, I don't. I don't get it. But the media's, the media's refusal to even cover the Biden stuff is just a little annoying. Even like you know, John Oliver totally discredited it being because of like Rudy got it, how they got it. How about what the content was? Um, I find myself more annoyed, which is the slant of like Saturday Night Live and John Oliver and all that, which you pointed out before. They're just so it's just crazy. Maybe they've always been this bad and I'm the one changing or I don't know. Becoming, it's becoming closer. They're just no longer hiding it at all because CNN, you know, was even retweeting a Biden thing uh, the other day. Someone from CNN and is doing that so they're just not even hiding it anymore and it's uh, i don't know man the divide is just it's just well, is, more, it, more, is this maybe more of the technocratic base rate you know we have a algorithm that tells you who you should elect and yeah anything from the trump side i mean trump's a hokey dude he's a goofy dude he tells lies all the time he makes up shit he exaggerates he a salesman so like there's a lot of bullshit right-wing media has come up with all sorts of crazy shit over the years 
And some of it might be true, but the base rate is it's probably not true, or if it's true, it's out of context, or it's wildly exaggerated. But these are base rate. It's the same phenomenon. It's like, I mean, it's worse, but it's like they're the dismissiveness of something that would go against what they're saying because they're, I think it's a laziness to even look into it because they don't, and B it's, it's in their professional interest to stick with, you know, they're sure that this is good versus evil. It's Hitler versus whatever the fuck those, those people don't stand for anything. I don't even know what you would say Biden and Kamala Harris stand for, but you know, Hitler versus them and they're not looking at it. But I, I feel, you know, when you lie to yourself and others, you you sort of know, even if you believe, even if like you would talk to them, they'd be like, "What are you talking about? That's obviously false." And there's so many conspiracies. I can't look at look at every single one. I think they know that you know where the standard is that meets that merits looking into versus this is just some wild accusation. So I am curious what happens though, and we are you know it's imminent. Well, next week Here it is next so, week. I mean, the next one, dude. A lot. Here it is. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know what the heck's going to happen, and um, yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be interesting either way. Obviously, craziness. Um, um, football picks. How did we do last week? Uh, three all and I seven. do stat picks and all that. Seven seven. You you actually went nine and five. You had a good week. Okay, so what? What do you, I think this week we're a little different on some, but uh, we'll we'll try to come up with five winners. Let's okay. go. Falcons plus two and a half at Panthers. Uh, I took the Panthers Falcons allowing the most yards per play, um, but probably stay away. I took it too. I'm not super excited. All right. Colts minus three at lions. Another stay away. And lions haven't won at home this year. I don't believe, but that Colts coming off a buy better coach, uh, stay away. But I took the lions. I took the lions. I don't trust rivers laying three on the road. Yeah. Vikings plus six and a half at Packers. Uh, man, Packers are good. Um, I could see the. I, I took the Packers, but I could totally see Minnesota getting a backdoor cover here. But I, I, I laid the wood. I laid the wood and immediately started to regret it. I was like, in yeah, Gawkway, oh yeah, I'll take the Packers. Then I was like, nah, the Packers, this is a good time to sell them. People believe again. But okay, we'll skip that. Uh, Pats plus three and a half at Bills. Oh man, I'm taking the Bills. Pats, they have to, they have to prove to me that they're not one of the bottom three teams right now. They, I, I love to give my Niners credit, but they did not look very good last week. Cam looks like a problem, so give me the Bills. They should be like six and a half spread. Yeah, I thought that, but then I made it three. I was like, I still... It's it, still Belichick it, losing it's not, three in a row. It's yeah. not that the Pats have to prove that they're good. Eventually they will, but Belichick has to prove to me that he's lost it kind of before I stopped taking the bats. But I, okay, I understand, I understand you just look at their play that you would say that. Titans minus six at Bengals. Uh, I took the points. Um, should be close enough game. Yeah, uh, I, took, I took Cincinnati in the points. I took the Titans, but I could see Burrow keeping up with them a little bit. Raiders plus three at Browns. Really like the Browns here. Think they'll dominate the line of scrimmage. Uh, who knows why, but Mayfield may play better without Beckham. So I know I fade Gruden and you love Gruden, but honestly, I think this sets up well for Cleveland, especially I, if it's under three. I took Cleveland, actually. Okay. I think you used three points, though, right? I did, use, I, did use, yeah. I, I did use three, and actually I realized I just made the line. Tw- I, I made the score 27-24, so I called it a push. But I'm taking the Browns. I'm taking, I, I mean, I took the Browns. I said take the Browns. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's what I like. Browns, all right, we can so. use it. We can use it. It's okay. fine. Uh, Jets plus 19.5 at Chiefs. I said it at 19.5, believe it or not. That's where I said it. Um, I would take the Jets, but I don't want to touch this. It totally. I Exactly. I took the points, wouldn't want to touch it. 
Uh, Rams minus four at Dolphins. I made it a pick 'em, but I forgot that it was Tua. And then I'm like, that's probably worth like three or four points, like the downgrade to rookie QB in his first start. So I'm totally out on this one. Yeah, I, I I saw that you liked the Dolphins. I, I I picked the Rams as one of my. I think I sent three or four others that I liked in stat picks. Um, your favorite DVO number one rush offense versus last rank rush defense. I know it obviously doesn't work that way, but I just think the setup will be rookie quarterback playing from behind. This Rams defense is really good, so I like the laying the points on the road. It's it's. I know it's just probably the sucker side though. The Dolphins played. So they crushed the 49ers in San Francisco. Like this team is not soft. I know, I, I I know, and I don't want to make it a narrative like a rookie's first start against Arnold, but I and, think it and, does. And Dolphins yeah. off the bye at home, and I know. The, and the Rams on a short week on the road, cross country. I know, I know, I know. Henderson's going to go crazy, and they're they're a good defense. Is really good, but I hear you. I hear you. It's fine. That's fine. We don't need okay. to use that one. Okay, okay. Steelers. I don't care if you want to use it. We can. Steelers plus three and a half at Ravens. I made the Ravens my best bet. I made this line five and a half. I thought. I just feel like the Steelers got lucky last week. They're not good enough to be seven and zero, and the Ravens got a bye week, and they're going to get healthy and right, and they're going to their defense is going to dominate. Yeah, this is one where we disagree because I one of the other teams I sent in I liked was the Steelers because why is this only three? I think the Steelers are a better team outright. I I, I don't love the setup one bye and one team undefeated and the Steelers are going to lose a game, but to me this is going to be absolutely right down to the very end coin flip. Either team could win, so if you're giving me more than three, I will definitely take the Steelers. I there's a maybe they use the bye week to, to fix the passing offense. Now you could argue that Roethlisberger doesn't look great either, but um, the Ravens passing offense looks like a problem to me. So against this defense, I feel like this is a coin flip. So getting more than three, I, I like Steelers. Uh, okay, I made the Ravens my best bet. I'd like to use. I know it. that's fine. We can use it. It's fine. Yeah. Whatever. It's, I'm not yeah. going to get too. Yeah. Up we're we're it's also fine. a losing record, so we're not right. Like, yeah, yeah. Not the too. stakes are low at this point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Saints yeah. minus four at Bears. I've been on the Saints all year. They keep losing, but I'm switching. I didn't switch on purpose. I just made the line what I did. No Michael Thomas, probably no Emmanuel Sanders on the road, outdoors, cold weather for Breeze. Good defense. I know I'm going to get screwed because the Saints are going to suddenly show up, but I like the Bears here. Yeah, let's use them. I'm with you. Let's use them. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, Montgomery's so bad, and it's hard to, like, how are they going to score? And Allen Robinson's concussed, though. He's concussed. Yeah, I know, but still, I think it is. Their defense is good. Their defense is good. Yeah, I think Breeze, I don't think it's a good, it's terrible for Breeze. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, 49ers plus three at Seahawks. I I was a coin for that's where I set the line. I took the Niners, but I don't feel strongly about it. Yeah, I, I did not love a best bet this week, um, but I made the Seahawks my best bet. And this is just three, man. I think the Niners D, all those injuries is going to catch up to them. I know the Seahawks just played five quarters, but Wilson off a loss, Niners off two two underdog, uh, when they, yeah, underdog wins. Um, and uh, were they favored against the Pats? What was it? It was two and a half either way. Who was favored? Yeah, no, no, the Pats were favored. Yeah, okay, all right, underdog wins. Um, but they, uh, after two, being favored by seven point uh, losses. Um, interesting. But um, I think it catches up to them, all these injuries. And Russell Wilson doing, you know, that offense is so good. So I, I fear that's a bad setup going to Seattle here. Okay, we can use it. I don't. I don't feel strongly. To me, it was a total coin flip. I easily could have taken the Seahawks. I love the respect the Niners. I mean, that's crazy. So would they just be easily be the best team in football if they were healthy? I mean, you realize that they had like ten of their eleven starters on defense were, were out. I mean, Everybody would be a lot better if they were healthy. But the Niners I mean, would be very good if they had yeah. Bosa back and. Richard Sherman, and D Ford, and, Debo, and, Ford, and yeah. Richard Sherman, and yeah. Solomon Thomas, and the linebacker, and you know, all the offense. Yeah, they're four four string. Uh, 
you know, most are, you know, like all those guys. Yeah. I mean, they'd be, they'd be pretty good. It is what it is, man. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of teams that have Eagles, the Eagles. Yeah. I think about loaded. They'd be Although the Eagles. The problem is like, they're all so redundant. They just need half of them back. Like the Niners, it's like all their best players, pretty much. And their third string center, things like that, that aren't like talked about. Niners are the third string center. But um, yeah, I mean, Seahawks defense isn't any good. I actually kind of like Jimmy G is like a cheap DFS option here. I, my guy, Ayuk, is looking good. But man, Russell Wilson's definitely going to cook here. Okay. Next. Chargers minus three at Broncos. I took the Broncos. I, I think it's a good buy low. They weren't looking that bad. They just had some disastrous, like, big play turnover stuff against them. I love Justin Herbert. The guy's so good, but laying three on the road, I'm taking the Broncos. Yeah, I'm with you here. It's uh, Everyone loves Herbert now, as they should. It looks like a star, um, but it feels like this side, to be honest, Denver here. Agreed. Cowboys, I, the only lines I could see were three and a half and seven and a half, and because I don't like to cheat my record, which – nobody would suspect because i'm not doing very well um i i made it seven and a half because i have it at 10 like it's it's like yeah. this is so it's seven i don't know what the line is but i'm taking the eagles like easily yeah we'll look at the super contest lines but i'm with you it should be closer to seven and a half and i would lay the wood still because yeah the defense should eat up and now andy dalton missed practice even wednesday too i don't think dalton is the absolute worst like everyone thinks right now because that first game, Zeke, two lost fumbles, Gallup, a dropped touchdown. And at Washington with that offensive line, I think it was a disaster. I mean, I ranked well, Washington Philly, though. number two. They're, they're at yeah, Philly. No, 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 right. Totally. No, this is another horrible setup. But I mean, moving forward, I feel like that could, could be not the absolute worst like everyone feels now. But yes, this is another horrible one with banged up offensive line and Dalton missing practice Wednesday. Totally agree with this. I'm just saying moving forward afterward, I feel like the CD lambs of the world won't be droppable is what I'm saying. But but this week, another horrible setup and, and I would lay the wood. Yeah. OK. And then uh, Bucks minus ten and a half for Jazz. I, I, right at the end, I want to just go into a theory I have. I forgot about this, but Bucks minus ten and a half at Giants. I took the points, but when I was just recording a pod with P and like talking through this game, I'm like, oh man, maybe I should, should lay the wood here. I'm going to probably use Tampa in a two strike survivor. I'm in, but I, I held my nose. And, and, and Danny Dimes went like five weeks without recording a touchdown. How's he going to score this game against uh, Tampa? Tell me how it's going to happen. Well, they've been they've been off since Thursday. They got 11 days of rest and prep. Tampa maybe have a you know, sort of a look ahead game where this is an easy win for them. They're sort of flying high. Everyone's talking about them as like a Super Bowl contender. I, I think the right side to take is the Giants that could obviously get killed. I saw a stat that I retweeted that Dan, Danny Dimes has had pressure on like 43% of his dropbacks and the second highest is 33%. So he is running for his life. And the theory I have, it's not a theory, it's obvious, but whenever I watch a football game these days, it's just like the better team is the team that's like pushing the line back into the quarterback on defense and protecting their own quarterback on offense. It doesn't matter who it is. If Baker Mayfield has time, he'll shred the Bengals, right? He'll, he'll carve them up. If Philip Rivers has time, he'll shred the Bengals. If these guys are under duress, they're terrible. I, I think QBs are so like Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, maybe two or three guys can be under duress and still make plays, still function sort of. But the press, you know, the the battle of that line of scrimmage to get to the QB or to prevent that is everything. Anybody, Nick Foles in the Super Bowl, anybody, Matthew Stafford, you know, Matt Ryan, these guys can be the best player in the league or look terrible just based on their line. Matt Ryan's looked so good and so bad at different times. It's just all the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's not all, but it's like such a huge part of it. And so people are so obsessed with like, well, this quarterback had this much YPA and all that. Just give any of these guys time to throw. Unless you're just like, 
Josh Rosenbad or something like that. Even he could probably come in and do something if he had time. Huge factor. And also it, like coaching comes into effect too. The Niners went from trying to drop back and pass against dolphins getting killed to, Oh man, they, they lost a couple more linemen. It's going to be a bloodbath against the Rams and just immediate out your know, quickest release uh, uh, possible the last couple of weeks. So Jimmy G's the shortest a dot last week and the second highest YPA. I mean, uh, Debo Samuel is minus 45 air yards the last two weeks. So you can combat it that way too. But totally, I look at this PFF stat that that compares offensive line versus defensive line each week in the matchups. And that's like part of the reason I like the Steelers this week. It looks to them like they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage Sunday. So who knows how wrong that is or how right that is. But I agree with you that the line of scrimmage is super important and often overlooked. And would you rather have like a star QB like Deshaun Watson and a terrible line or an average QB like you know Jared Goff and the line is just protects the crap out of him yeah the coaching in the system and the line is but the, the right. problem is I, I would like the latter but the problem is it takes more to be right you know you know it just takes more to you need everything oh, yeah, you need five pieces right it's like oh well yeah. quarterback's most important because you got to have five different linemen now probably if three of them are excellent or two of them and two are adequate it's probably an excellent line you know you don't need all five to be pro bowlers to have the best line in football but you, you it is it's just more moving parts and the cohesion between them and more injuries that you know more guys could get hurt so it's probably a harder thing to build it's easier to just get the quarterback and be done with that i mean you, st- you still need some help but so but it's just interesting to me that when i if i really think about it like the difference between like quarterback four and quarterback 20 is not that is it's like it's more about the line maybe quarterback one or quarterback 27 is it doesn't really, you know, they can transcend or be, you know, no line is going to save quarterback 27. But in the vast middle, it's the QB is really so dependent on the situation. Yeah, I think guys like Goff and Garoppolo just totally, they need the situation to be ideal and it's just dependent on, on around them. Yeah, if it goes bad, it could get, look real ugly. And if it's going well, they look like they look, they put up superstar numbers, you know, so I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. How are we going to come up with five here? Uh, I think we got it. Agree? We got it. We got it. So uh, we're going to go with Browns and bears. The Browns and bears were, were definites. And then we we're going to take the Eagles unless it's like, we'll see what the line is, but if it's right. like below 10, I, I feel like I, I want the Eagles. Oh, and, I, what, what about, I, I, I would pick Washington to come out of the division right now with that defense and Kyle Allen. Uh, would you still take the Eagles? Would, would I would take, I would take the Eagles. Okay. Right. You, you want to do like what? Like 50 bucks on that? Ooh, I, I should probably be able to get odds. Where it's going well, the that. Eagles, well, the Eagles are Washington team football has the tie break. Yeah, I'll do that just because I brought it up to you. So what the hell? Yeah, let's do. You don't have to. I don't. I don't care that much. But yeah, let's do it. And, when, and, and if the Giants win, you pay me a thousand. That's the other. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll do Washington, and then you got Eagles for the division. For yeah. 50. Okay. Fine. Okay. I actually like Ron Rivera. I think he's a good coach. I, I like the comments he made. I like these. He's 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 a real man. He has some he has some sack. All right. So what are we saying? We said the Bears and the Browns. Eagles. Eagles. And then what do you want? Your Ravens. I mean, it's your best. Bet. I'll take the Ravens. I I have. I just feel like the Steelers. We're not impressive against the the Titans. They should have lost that game, and they were in a war, and the Ravens are rested and home. So I'll take the Ravens. Right. Okay, and then I'll just do my best bet, the, the Seahawks, if it's three. But we'll check the lines. So okay. I would be shocked. if it, I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll tentatively, tentatively leave with those uh, four, but I'll check out the lines, and, and we'll circle back. Sounds good, man. All right, let's do it. Two and three. Uh, Two and three. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing is uh, Rogan, man. Joe Rogan's podcast has been 
um, on fire. Kanye, three hours of Kanye West, man, I don't, I, it's indescribable. Um, your, your guy, PD Mangan, I have a guy named Paul Saladino. He's my, my go-to health guy. He uh-huh. was on for three hours. Alex Jones was just on for three hours. Uh, no comment needed there. And then your guy, Glenn Greenwald just came on oh. and I have not listened to it yet. So there's so many. He's getting those guys on. I want I'm going to check out the Greenwald one and the Kanye one. All right, man. Good stuff. Yeah, Liz. Long pot. All right, man. Take it easy, Dalton. All right. Later. All right. All right later.